Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We're wrapping up our 24-6 sermon series uh, we have begun the year looking at, and it's really been a study of Sabbath. And we've talked about when we honor Sabbath and take it very seriously, some powerful traits of faith happen that will guide us in life. And we've been talking about these every week. So let's look at where we've been and what happens when we take Sabbath seriously. First, every time we Sabbath, it helps us recommit our ways in our life to the Lord. It helps us rest. It helps us remember what God has done in the past, what God is doing all around us. Sabbath helps us recalibrate to measure our lives against God and to change how we act and how we think. That leads us to the last topic for today, and that is resolve. We have to resolve that we are going to be people of the Sabbath. Doesn't matter what anybody else does, doesn't matter what the culture does, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Because when we take Sabbath seriously, we unleash God's power, God's blessing, God's connection in a way that changes us forever. So I hope we think about today how I resolve for me and my family to honor the Sabbath because it will change everything about life. In fact, it's fascinating to me. White's Chapel was built on this principle of the resolve to keep the Sabbath. You may remember a couple of years ago, we had our 150th anniversary. And Pastor Todd and I did something really interesting. We went back to Rising Fawn, Georgia. The pioneers who settled this church came from Rising Fawn to Northeast Tarrant County. And we went back and we kind of followed their route. And honestly, it's my favorite road trip we've ever had. We had just a great time, even though we got lost many times <laughs> along the way. It was wonderful. And as we prepared to try to figure out their route, we found a journal written by one of the people who was in that group. And that kind of showed us the route to take. And it was fascinating what we learned. So the person that wrote this journal said there was a wagon train of 90 covered wagons that crossed and every, every night they would form a big circle and they would kind of camp out in between to protect the people and their livestock and their animals from predators. And then I love the journal entry as they got close to arriving. The writer said this, but on Friday afternoon, camp was made early. Saturday was wash day. Sunday was always revered as Sabbath and to be kept holy. Church services were conducted by a lay member of the group who served as pastor and mentor. The last circle was made in July 1871 at the present site of White's Chapel. Isn't it amazing all along the way and when they arrived, they resolved to be people who kept and honored the Sabbath and enabled them to endure to make it, to even thrive in this new world. It's what happens to us when we resolve that we are going to be people who honor and keep the Sabbath. And we get another warning of how important it is to do this in our scripture lesson for today. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to 2 Kings, and we're going to read verses 17, 35 through 41. 2 Kings 17, 35 through 41. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord had made a covenant with them and commanded them, you shall not worship other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall worship the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power 
and with an outstretched arm, you shall bow yourselves to him, and to him you shall sacrifice the statues and the ordinances and the law and the commandment that he wrote for you, you shall always be careful to observe. You shall not worship other gods. You shall not forget the covenant that I made with you. You shall not worship other gods, but you shall worship the Lord your God. He will deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. They would not listen, however, but they continued to practice their former custom. So these nations worship the Lord, but also serve their carved images. To this day, their children and their children's children continue to do as their ancestors did. We need to remember what's going on. The year is 740 BC, um, and for about 18 years, the Assyrians decide that they want to overrun Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. And we kind of see a map that helps us a little bit understand. You see Assyria there is a part of present-day Turkey and Syria and the northern part of Iraq and Iran. And they want to get the northern kingdom of Israel because you see it's on the Mediterranean. It was a great trade route. Whoever controlled that controlled the commerce and industry of that area. A powerful point. So the king wanted to overtake this land, but he had a strategy. What he did for those 18 years, he worked with the kings of Israel and they got together on certain projects and they worked together. The king, when this text was written, <clears throat> was a man named Hosea. He reigned for nine years, and I love what the historians say about Hosea, that he was a bad king, but he wasn't as bad as some of the kings that came before him. So I don't know if that's a compliment. He was pretty sorry, but he wasn't as sorry as some of the other ones that had come. So anyway, the king of Assyria had a strategy. They flooded the area with foreigners from many different lands that worshiped many different gods that had many different practices. And they brought their idols and they brought their statues with them. And the children of Israel were trying to be faithful to God, but the, 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 their new neighbors started rubbing off on them. And they started worshiping some of their gods and some of their idols. And they started to uh, intermarry and they were trying to live in both worlds. So God sent prophets with a message. That's what we heard, not to do that, to stay faithful to God, to not worship these foreign idols. Um, and then God not only sent prophets to speak to them in those 18 years, even sent lions to kind of disrupt some of their practices. God was trying to get their attention. But what does verse 40 say? In spite of all of these messages, they would not listen. However, but they continued to practice their former custom. And then verse 41, these nations worshiped the Lord, but also served their carved images. They wouldn't be faithful, and they brought destruction on the nation. The big moment in world history is 722 B.C. It's when the king of the Assyrians changes his mind. He decides to attack the kingdom of Israel, and it falls to be a nation no more. And we read the story, and I'm haunted by verse 40. They would not listen. I hope it's never said of us that we will not listen, despite the signs and the warnings all around us. You see, that's why we have Sabbath. Sabbath is a time that we listen and we hear what God is saying to us. 
Sabbath is a time that we're aware of those false idols all around us that vie for our attention, that can distract us. Remember what we said the first week of this series, Sabbath is a time we remember that Sabbath was the place where Jesus found his power and his wisdom and his connection with God. And Jesus wants us to have that same power, but we discover it in Sabbath when we will resolve to be people of the Sabbath. Remember Jesus promised us in Matthew 11, I love the beautiful message translation. Hear what Jesus said to us. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. My friends, will we resolve to be people of the Sabbath? Because we need to be honest with each other, like Daniel's song said, we're going to have some tough times. We're going to have some trials. We are going to get knocked down. It's not if tough times are going to happen to us. It's when they happen to us. And Sabbath prepares us. Sabbath gets us ready. Sabbath teaches us those unforced rhythms of grace that will guide us through our heartache and through our times of trial. And, um, and the thing is, we, we know we need to do it. And we even want to do it. But actually knowing how to do it, that's different. That's different. That's, that's hard. Because like Jesus said, the spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, man, the flesh is so weak. And, um, and I know too that there are just certain times in our lives, there are certain, there are certain seasons of our life when Sabbath, when resting, it just feels so much harder than, than at others. We get a new job. I mean, we have a big project, <laughs> parenting, right? just parenting in general. There are certain times, there are certain seasons in our life when rest and when Sabbath, they just feel like luxuries. But I submit to us this morning that those are the exact times when we need Sabbath most. Because like we saw in, in our scripture, Sabbath or, or, or the lack of Sabbath, it creates, it forms these, these generational ripples. Their children and their children's children just kept on doing what their ancestors did. They kept, they kept playing games. They kept giving lip service to God while all the while they, they kept going after all of those, those other gods, all those, those other, those lesser idols. They tried to have it both ways. And it just doesn't work. Never has. Never will. And in fact, it's because of that. That's the way they lost the promised land. And it's the way we lose ours too. Going after idols going after false gods of gold and silver and wood and stone, going after false gods of, of money and success and power, houses and cars. 
maybe even sneakier these days, the more insidious false gods. That's going after the false gods of, of comfort and convenience and, and ease. You see, that's the great con. That, that's the great con, especially out here in the suburbs. It's the great con of convenience that gets in the way of real, of real conviction. Us preferring to be entertained, us preferring to be entertained than, than, than really transformed, us preferring to be entertained than really renewed. And God, the, God throughout the Bible, God had this way, this particular way of dealing with idols. You pull them down. You get rid of them. You, you don't play with them. You, you don't flirt with them. You confront them. And then you pull them down, you, you tear them down. It's us making up our minds, it's us resolving our minds that God and that doing God, doing life God's way, that, that it's worth it. And we make up our minds and, and we resolve ourselves to, to do something different, to do something better, to do life bigger, to do something big for God. And and saying that, it reminded me of something. It reminded me of this article that I read several years ago. Gosh, I've, I've had this, this story in my file for, for probably about 10 years now. It's a story of this particular moment that had, took place over in Sweden. That took place back in 1967. Uh, they called it Do, uh, Dagen Hoger traffic. I've been practicing for a week to say that. <laughs> Dagen Hoger traffic. Um, if we have any Swedes watching us, um, my apologies for slaughtering your language. Um, Dagen Hooger traffic, it literally translates to right-hand traffic day. It was the day back in 1967. It was Sunday, September 3rd, 1967. It was the day that the nation of, of Sweden, the government of Sweden, took the extraordinary step of switching the side of the road that you drive on. On that Sunday, they switched from driving on the left-hand side of the road. As you can see, without any incident at all, <laughs> they switched from driving from the left-hand side of the road to the right-hand side. And, and it wasn't just the snap decision. It wasn't the spur-of-the-moment decision. They had been studying this project. They had been coming up with this plan for years. This by the name is the name of the plan. I ain't even going to try to say that. Um, they had been studying this because they knew that they needed to do something. They needed to do something different. Because at the time they were the only, they were the last country in, in continental Europe that was driving on the left-hand side of the road. Literally, when you got to the Swedish border, you had to change which sides of the road you were driving on. And it wasn't popular. That thought, that idea, it wasn't a popular idea. It took years of, of education and re-education. But on that Sunday morning, everything changed. Bus stops switched from one side of the road to the other. Traffic lights and traffic signs and the lines that are painted on the road, it all switched. It was, in their language, in their words, it was a revolution. And even though it all got achieved, it only took five hours to do all of that. It all started with that one decision. It all started with that one choice, with the resolve to do something different. It started with the resolve to, to do something big. And Sabbath, Sabbath demands nothing less than that from us. Nothing less the, than the complete reorientation 
of our lives, us going beyond all of our, 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 our really good ambitions. Uh, we have great plans, really good plans, but we go beyond them. Sabbath calls us to go beyond all of our, our, our great expectations. It, it asks us to go beyond, too, all of our, our really bad excuses to rest, to remember, and to, and to reconnect. It asks us to do to do something big, to shake the very foundations of hell itself because, because the devil wants us tired. The world wants us exhausted because we're not a threat then, but, but well-rested, recommitted. There's nothing that you and me, there's nothing that we can't do in the Lord. Well-rested, recommitted, there's, there's no mountain that we can't move. There's no giant that, that we can't fell. And so how do we do it? How do we actually resolve to Sabbath? Four quick thoughts for us this morning, four things. And the first one is this. Firstly, I think we got, we got to mark it down. I mean, we got, to, we got to plan for it. We got to prepare for it. And more than all of that, let's, let's get excited about it. Let's get excited about what God wants to do in our midst. Let's get excited about spending some time with the Lord. We, we got to prepare. We, uh, we got to prepare just like the, those five wise virgins that took a little extra oil with them to meet the bridegroom. We got to prepare. We got to prepare like, like the apostles, like the apostles sent to prepare for, for the last supper. We, we got to prepare. We got to prepare our homes and, and we got to prepare our hearts. We got to create space in, in our crowded schedules to, to break free, to, to disconnect, to disconnect from all of this and to reconnect with this and to reconnect with this. But to do it means that, that we have to plan ahead. In fact, for, for as important as it is for us to plan our work, I think it is equally important for us to plan our rest and to plan our play. Um, I love what, uh, what Rabbi Heschel used to say about it. Rabbi Abraham Heschel said, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. And if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. We have to plan how and, and where we're gonna rest. We gotta mark it down. I mean, even today, observant Jews still go to, to great lengths. They take great care on the day before Shabbat to get things ready, to get everything set in advance. They, they cook meals in advance and they turn on lights in advance and they run errands in advance so that whenever Shabbat comes, whenever the Sabbath comes, they can use it. They can use it just to focus on being present. In fact, I had this, uh, I had this professor back in seminary and she worked her way through, through undergrad, helping families like that out. Uh, she was living up in New York and Jewish families would hire her to, to come over on Sabbath. They would hire her to come over and to take care of all those things that they had forgotten to do. <laughs> she put herself through NYU by, by these families hiring her in to, to come in and, and to do all those things that they couldn't do after the sun went down. You see, they planned. They planned for accidents, they planned for mistakes, they made plans for, for flexibility. And we need to, too, 
We need to plan to be flexible because there are going to be times, there will be weeks whenever taking a whole day out, it's just going to be impossible. And, and that's not an excuse. That's just real. That's reality. But instead of just stopping, instead of just giving up, let's be flexible. Let's be creative. On weeks like that, why not try, let's, let's try to go maybe from sundown to sundown. And if not that, just finding, finding some set apart time, some sanctified time to spend with the Lord. Sometime intentionally offered up to Him. We gotta make time. We gotta make plans. We gotta make plans for flexibility. But we also gotta make plans for accountability. Um, we need to have someone, we need to invite someone into our lives that can help us keep the Sabbath holy, someone who can help keep the Sabbath a priority, who can help us protect it. We need someone in our lives who will help strengthen our resolve. And, and I told y'all on week one that, that my accountability partner, he is right there. And he has been a bull, you have been a bulldog, man. Um, and I appreciate it, unlike what I've said in some of my texts. I appreciate you looking out for me. You see, we. We, we just got like, like Nehemiah, we've got to post some guards at the gate. We've got to post some guards at the gate here and, and the gate here. Post some guards at the gate to keep the Sabbath holy, to keep it different. We mark it down and then we offer it up. We offer it up in worship. And we offer it up in prayer and study and praise. This has got to be the heart of our Sabbath. Because this is going to be what changes us. This, this is what's going to, that's going to take to transform us. It's this. This is what's going to fill us up. It's what's going to keep us from, from running after all the idols that are, are around us going to keep us from getting caught up in the sway, the, the, the rhythm of the world. It's anxiety and it's burnout. It's short tempers. It's stress. We worship and we pray and we praise. And we do that not, not just in here. Friends, we got to start doing it out there too. Getting together in Jesus' name to, to share meals and to share stories and to share life. I, uh, a couple years ago, I was having lunch with my buddy, uh, Rabbi Charlie, whenever he was the, the rabbi down at the synagogue down the street. And we were having lunch and he said something to me and, and it stung. Um, rabbi Charlie said, said, the thing you Christians are missing is the power of, of home ritual. And it stung because he was right. It stung because it was true. We have to rededicate. We, we have to, to re-consecrate our homes, to re-consecrate our homes as mission stations, as places of worship and prayer and conversation and reflection and transformation, places where we eat, yes, where we eat together, but also places where we grow together in our homes. We need to be talking about the faith. We need to be talking about Jesus in our dining rooms and we need to be talking about Jesus in our living rooms. But Jesus has got to leave those rooms too. We need to take Jesus out into the world, to take our faith out into the world, to live it boldly, to live it boldly in service and sacrifice. Um, a man with a withered hand, a woman hunched over for, for years, 
Jesus used the Sabbath to serve. It was one of the main reasons why they nailed him to a cross. Because the Sabbath isn't just about us. It's not about getting our needs met. It's not just about us. But instead, Sabbath is about what God wants to do with us. And in us and to us and, and through us. The, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath, he would say. And it was a radical thought, you see. It, it means that the Sabbath, the Sabbath was always meant to heal us. And it's one of the most incredible things. It's one of the most incredible things about the way that God designed the universe. It's one of the most incredible things about the way God designed our souls. The fact that whenever we will pour ourselves out in service to others, we find ourselves just filled right back up. It's incredible. When we will pour ourselves out serving others, the Holy Spirit comes and fills us back up. We get filled up, not used up. But serving, serving is a sacrifice. It means that we have to put other people ahead of ourselves. It means we put their needs ahead of our own. And, and that's not the, the only sacrifice that, that Sabbath requires. Sabbath also asks us to fast. To fast maybe, to fast maybe from technology. If that's what it is that distracts us, if that's what keeps us tied to this world, maybe we need to fast from technology, from, from email or social media. Maybe for others of us, the thing that we need to fast from, maybe it's spending, maybe it's shopping, whatever it is that we fast just, just to make that day, to make that one day different, to make it tangibly different, keeping it holy. We serve and we sacrifice. And lastly, our, our Sabbaths need to be marked by giving thanks. Our Sabbath needs to be marked by, by gratitude. This, this past Friday, we remembered and we celebrated the life of, of one of the great saints of this church, Miss Jane Grazer. She was a giant of a woman, big spirit, big heart, big faith. She was one of the longtime lay leaders of this congregation. I think they served 14 years, they served the congregation of this church. She was a prayer warrior and she was a mentor to, to so many of us. And years and years ago, Miss Jane, Miss Jane gave me this sign. It's a sign that I still have hanging up over in my office. Um, it says this, it says, I'm too busy looking at my own grass to notice if yours is any greener. You see, Sabbath was intended to remind us of God, to refocus us on God and on all that God has done for us, on all, all the many blessings that God has poured out into our lives, chief among them the gift of salvation. Because when we do that, when we will remember like that, when we will reconnect like that, our only response, the only response that we can muster is gratitude, humbled gratitude, green grass or brown. Thank God that it's ours and that it grows. We mark it down, we offer it up. We serve and we sacrifice, we give thanks. 
See, that's the way, at least it's a way for us to, to make the most of the Sabbath. It's, it's a way for us to get more from less. Leaning, leaning, into, leaning into those unforced rhythms of grace, listening and learning and obeying and, and following, resting and remembering. Becoming 24-6 sort of Christians in this 24-7 kind of world as we pray. Our God, um, this is one of those mornings whenever it feels like distracted by all that is going on around us and those false gods that vie for our attention that could trip us up. And we just pray that that, that doesn't happen, that we resolve to be people of Sabbath, that we carve out this time to remember you and to celebrate you and to worship you and to praise you. Lord, give us that determination, that resolve to be people who will follow you because you have so many great promises for us and we want to experience all that you have for us. So Lord, help us be those 24-6 Christians in a 24-7 world. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.